Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future Technologies, poised to transform our lives for better or worse, are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast, Almost Here, Round the Corner Technology. And today I have Igor Talatnikov, uh, COO and President of Alpha Point Blockchain Solutions. Igor, how are you doing? Doing great. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. I, I was at BTC Miami, but I didn't manage to catch um, most of you guys' presentation, so I'm glad we're talking, and I'm sure listeners that couldn't make it uh, want to hear more about Alpha Point. So, um, yeah, can you give a brief overview of what uh, what you guys do in the space? Yeah, sure. So, uh, so what we do at the state in the space at Alpha Point is is we help financial institutions, uh, large, small startups, all the way to the largest of financial institutions, uh, deploy blockchain technology with our distributed ledger platform. Uh, so we've been in the space uh, since 2013. Uh, makes us veterans uh, in the blockchain world, and you know we've been delivering blockchain technology, uh, digital asset exchange technology, uh, helping folks digitize assets, uh, trade assets, and manage digital assets in, with the new technology. Yeah, and when you say distributed ledger, um, whose ledger is it? Is it your guys' own blockchain or is it uh, Bitcoin? Which one are you, um, are you using? Yeah, so, so what we do is we, we interoperate with, with third-party ledgers, and we also have our own ledger technology that we've developed that's uh, proprietary. Uh, so, you know, it really depends on the use case, but we interoperate with 20 different ledgers and, and fabrics that are out there. You know, initially it was all Bitcoin and b- derivatives of Bitcoin uh, with cryptocurrencies, but, you know, since then, you know, there are so many initiatives out there to digitize different assets on new types of ledgers, you know, with Ethereum, uh, with uh, Ethereum-based smart contracts, uh, with R3, with uh, with Hyperledger, and we're involved, you know, in many of those initiatives and and supporting those ledgers and tokens that are digitized on them uh, in our platform. And we also help uh, folks uh, digitize more complex financial instruments on our activity ledger versus just a, a simple asset ledger. We've actually developed an activity ledger that can digitize more complex financial instruments. So I guess you'd say you're blockchain agnostic. Is that how you say it? We are. Uh, we're, we're opinionated, and we, you know, we do believe that that not all blockchains are created equal. Uh, but you know, we also believe that there won't be one blockchain to rule them all. We believe that there will be. <laughs> we believe there will be, you know, blockchains and networks that, you know, asset networks and ledgers that will become prominent for particular use cases and. You know, we're looking ahead to the future where interoperability between these ledgers will be important. Yeah, it makes sense. That's probably what is going to happen. Each one will evolve, and its specialty will make it the front runner in that area. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just let's, it's the char- the characteristics are different, right? So it does make sense yeah. that you would have unique ledgers for for different asset classes. Yeah, if you don't mind, let's let's go a little deeper into a digitization of assets. You know what? What kind of assets? How does it work? What are the benefits? You know, tell me a little bit about that. 
Yeah, I mean, as a whole, you know, I think I think this was initially called Bitcoin 2.0, you know, uh, back in the day in 2013, 2014, when when honestly, you know, I, myself uh, and and the folks on our team were were excited why why we started Alpha Point was we saw how this breakthrough technology could be applied in the long run to other assets and and really remove friction from financial uh, infrastructure. And, you know, what it was called Bitcoin 2.0 was taking the underlying technology and applying it to other assets. Now we've, you know, we've transitioned and we now call that, that blockchain, we call that distributed ledger technology. Uh, but the concept is pretty simple. You take, you take an asset, you know, that's in the real world, um, be it, you know, a physical asset, you know, like gold or a precious metal or, or you know, an asset like a building or potentially a life or, you know, these different asset classes that are out there, commodities, uh, and you make a representation of that, you know, on a distributed ledger that can be shared between parties. Okay, so let's say, um, you know, gold, uh, one ounce gold, uh, you know, gold pieces. Um, how would this application look? Like, what would happen, you know, how would the blockchain be interacted with? You know, what would it look like for someone wanting to, you know, put their asset on there and then buy it or sell it or claim right to it. Yeah, so um, there, there aren't, you know, all of the details out of what's, what's going to be done, but there was, you know, a pretty big announcement uh, not too long ago, I, I believe in November or December of last year, where the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, uh, CME, in partnership with the Royal Mint, announced that they're digitizing uh, – up to or possibly over a billion dollars worth of gold uh, where the Royal Mint will actually uh, secure the gold in their vault and then issue a token, um, you know, an RMG, a Royal Mint gold token uh, to represent that. Uh, so that's, you know, an example of, 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 uh, of, of that actually happening, right? And there are lots of initiatives um, across the world to digitize cotton, um, uh, you know, a, a big investment bank recently announced that they're, they have an initiative to, you know, to, to digitize other types of commodities. And, you know, I think we're going to see the, a lot more of this in 2017, right? 2016 was really the year where financial institutions were just dipping, dipping their toe in the water, you know, starting to invest in the ecosystem, starting to, you know, there are teams of anywhere from five to, you know, close to 100 um, staff at large financial institutions now looking at the technology and, and working rapidly to, to put it into production. So, you know, it's, it's really just the beginning. Um, and I think, you know, we'll see lots of different assets become digitized. And what about the token itself? Do they, I guess in some situations, the token would have a value, you know, one token equals one ounce or one unit or one, you know, it would be like a one-to-one ratio in other applications, would the token value, um, would it have no value except as a placeholder? I mean, how does a token specifically interact with the, the asset that's been digitized? <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, it, it depends on how these networks are, are deployed. Um, but, you know, you, you, you could have a situation, you know, there are, there are federated ledgers that can be deployed or, you know, they can be private or fully public. And... You know, it really depends on how many issuers will there be. You know, so you know, if we take if we take uh, you know a commodity like oil and and you have 
suppliers that want to, you know, offer it onto the market, you might have multiple issuers. And you're, you know, to, you're to some extent going to be trusting those issuers when they issue the token that they are good for that representation of, of the asset that they've digitized. <clears throat> so, it's, you know, it's, it's different than, you know, the public blockchain space where you have Bitcoin and there's intrinsically value in Bitcoin because of scarcity and other kind of, it's really just price discovery on the exchanges of what people are willing to, to pay for it, uh, for the utility it provides. Uh, with with these other assets, you, we're really talking about just uh, creating a more digital form, a, a digitized form of that asset, and instead of storing that in a central database like we do today, and you know, and doing debits and credits, and then having reconciling uh, reconciliation issues between counterparties, we have a scenario where we can have one shared trusted ledger for an asset class that when a trade occurs and the transaction is posted to the, um, to the ledger and signed cryptographically, you have you know, a much higher level of assurance that you're not going to have – it effectively eliminates reconciliation. That's why, that's why so many studies that have been out there by Santander, by Goldman Sachs, most recently by Accenture, that you know, in the 10, you know, over $10 billion, 10 to $20 billion dollars will be saved by the, um, the sell side, the banking industry, by eliminating some of these infrastructure costs. That's great. It's going to be a lot smoother and faster. Yeah, I was going to ask you, yep. um, are there any use cases you can talk about where you guys are intimately involved? You know, if you can, I understand, but um, you know, any, a few examples of uh, how this is playing out or how it's going to play out this year. Yeah, so you know, I'm yeah, I'll, I'll I'm happy to disclose some some uh, initiatives that are public. One one that actually was announced uh, some time ago, and one of our, was one of our earliest customers. Uh, so so Bit uh, recently raised 16 million dollars to become the PayPal of the Caribbean. Uh, there, you know, the problem that they were looking to solve is, you know, at first the Caribbean doesn't support PayPal. Uh, their financial infrastructure, you know, is fraught with thick friction because each island in the Caribbean uh, and CARICOM, the Caribbean nations, has their own national currency. So Barbados has the Barbados dollar, Trinidad has the tr Trinidad dollar, and so on. And they each have their own Federal Reserve, and, and commerce between the islands is, is very difficult. Uh, so what BID has done is, is they've gotten buy-in from um, more and more of the, of the Federal Reserves of, of these islands, and uh, to digitize the national currency of those islands. And what they're doing is they're digitizing uh, it onto a blockchain. They've created and launched a, uh, a digital asset exchange that will facilitate FX transactions between those. And uh, so what they offer to you know, the citizens of, of the different nations that they support is a free mobile app to do peer-to-peer -peer transfers similar to PayPal. And they, they make uh, they make revenue on FX transactions and on payment processing, very much like PayPal's business model. So this is a you know a live example. This is happening now. They're they're uh, they've been deployed, and you know as uh, it's a very similar use case to what uh, the the Bank of England recently released a report stating that that if uh, if countries are to digitize their national currencies. 
uh, to 30% of GDP, or 30, well, 30% of their national currencies, it will permanently have the potential to increase GDP by 3%, which is an $80 billion increase to, you know, the UK's GDP. So, and that's all from, that's all from just reducing fees for end users and removing friction from financial systems. So, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty, you know, eye-opening opportunity uh, for folks to, to get engaged. Huh, okay. Um, any other uh, use cases you can talk about? Uh, so we've, you know, we've been involved in some other use cases. Um, you know, we, in our, in our distributed ledger platform, we, we have three primary uh, pillars, you know, our modules. We have our asset issuance and custody module. We have an asset exchange and settlement module, and we have an asset reconciliation reporting module. And you know, we we help we help you know those all interoperate, or they can be used standalone. So you know, digitizing assets and and uh, the exchange, uh, creating a marketplace for those new assets is is definitely our bread and butter. Uh, and we've also done work with some financial institutions on you know, digitizing assets that are within a single institution to help reduce reconciliation costs. Uh, we're going to have an announcement about that coming up here uh, shortly. Uh, and we've done, we've done some other interesting work um, around some other, you know, alternative asset classes that we, it, the news is forthcoming, so, you know, I'm afraid I can't share too much more at this point. No problem. And the uh, the actual end users themselves, you know, the customers of uh, the financial institution, the you know the the owners of gold or property, they won't see any of this underlying blockchain technology, but they'll just experience what shorter times to verify or transfer assets, lower fees. What will they experience? Yeah, so I mean, if you if you look at an example like you know digitizing gold, right? So if you're if you're a if you're an owner of, uh, well, sorry, not, not, I meant to say uh, digitizing, uh, digitizing art or like another illiquid asset, di digitizing a yacht, right? So you okay. may have an asset that's sitting there. You, you know, you might be high net worth or, or you, you know, you just may have an asset that you can, that's currently just sitting there. You use it yourself, but uh, getting using it for collateral in the repo markets or otherwise, right now the cost, to securitize and to use it as collateral for for debt is is difficult and is expensive and is only available to kind of the high net worth individuals, right? So mm -hmm. the the ability for this technology to more cost effectively digitize assets to be used as collateral, um, I think is is an area where you know it, it's pretty exciting. It's it's something that you know, more people yeah. will potentially have access to, similar to what peer-to-peer -peer lending did, um, you know, in exposing, uh, exposing, you know, regular kind of retail investors to lending markets, which were previously really reserved as the core business of, of banks and financial institutions. So I think that's one area where, you know, it's going to offer up some new products and services 
uh, to people that maybe have not experienced those in the past. Uh, but on the, you know, on the most broadest use case uh, for, for end users in our daily lives, I think ultimately you know, it's going to speed up the, the transfer of funds, you know, ACH and you know, wire transfers, some of those things you know, that take more time, two to three days. You know, over time, as this technology is implemented more, you know, it's going to be closer and closer to instantaneous, right? So, you know, there, there are other regulatory factors. You know, it's not, it's, not, it's not even that the blockchain can facilitate these faster transactions than existing technology because ultimately blockchain is a little slower than existing point-to-point -point, um, uh, transaction software. But what it does is it, is it provides a greater level of security and trust uh, for transactions that do occur uh, so that the risk kind of associated with them can be reduced. And then uh, we'll see kind of the easing of some regulatory burdens on some of those uh, transactions, which will result in faster clearing times for, for end users. Gotcha. With, uh, I just have a couple more questions about digitization of assets. You said it's expensive, it's hard, it takes time. Why? Why is it? What's the difficulty in doing it now? Why is it slow? Why is it expensive? Maybe just a couple details on what's involved. Yeah, I mean, I mean, currently, currently, you have to. It depends what type of asset. But if you're, you know, if you're securitizing a company, right? You have to, you have to go through. And and this this won't change actually you know with with blockchain, um, but you have to go through certain you know the SEC and you have to um, go through certain you know going public right there are a lot of underlying costs to securitizing right. a business and and putting putting shares out onto a public market with other with other asset classes um, you know say real estate or yachts. You know, a lot of these transactions happen in over-the-counter marketplaces where there's just, you know, it's really difficult to have buyers and sellers. So, you know, it's as much a problem of securitizing and kind of the issuance of the asset as, as it is to create a marketplace uh, where market participants and there's actual activity, oh, okay. you know, it's a two-sided market. So one of the things that we do very well is we, we can help spin up um, – you know, a marketplace for these new assets, whether, whether we're involved in the creation of the asset or not, we're completely product and token agnostic, uh, we can do that for a fraction of the cost of what it would take in the past. You know, rather than tens of millions of dollars in implementation uh, fees uh, to, to launch a new marketplace, you know, as, as existed in the past, you know, that, that cost is being pushed down by, you know, technology providers like us and, and others. Okay, I see what you mean. So let's say, um, you know, impressionist painters like Monet and others. Um, normally you're saying those would be over-the-counter transactions, you know, individuals. If someone has one and they want to sell it or want to buy one, the market's not really centralized. And, and so your technology can help create um, a faster, more liquid market for things like that that are, typically um, unseen by most and uh, illiquid. Correct. That, yeah, that exactly. I mean, okay. if you, yeah, if you, if you have a piece of art that's worth, you know, you know, a million, $10 million, you may want to securitize it. You may want to, you know, 
uh, sell off pieces of that because you want liquidity, you know, for you you need the capital for something else, right? So so you could you could share the ownership on a piece. Um, of art, you could you know you could tokenize that, put it on a blockchain, and and create a market that then people can buy pieces of it, you know, and sell pieces of it, and you know you have an actual digital representation of it. You have it secured, you know, in a private wallet and and uh, with private keys and kind of the other aspects of the technology that that we're all pretty familiar with. That's very interesting. Okay, it's like NetJets, but for uh, for other assets. Huh. Okay. Very interesting. Um, yeah. What? So okay. Um, any other applications of what you guys do that I haven't covered? I mean, I just, I guess we just got fascinated. I, I did on the uh, digitization of assets, but um, anything else? Alpha Point's really strong on that we haven't covered much. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, the 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 company, you know, the technical founders of the company come from a background in in building, you know, the highest performance financial applications, and you know, there's there's a lot of opportunities in applying this technology across capital markets, across financial services more broadly. You know, I think there's you know there's certainly opportunities um, in in the back office as well, and just you know transaction processing, but also storage of data. You know where we've seen some things come out. You know with with Nasdaq and others that have uh, done some work around proxy voting. Uh, Broadridge recently acquired a company for 135 million dollars. Um, I believe it was called Investashare. That you know they were they were developing, you know, some proxy voting technology around that. So there, there's master data management use cases. There, there are lots of use cases because, you know, blockchain technology or distributed ledger technology is a, is a very unique combination of, you know, technologies that we've already seen before. But it's, it's a data store. You know, it's at the simplest, you know, conceptual level, it's just, it's just a database, right? It's not, not very exciting, uh, but it's, it's a unique type of database uh, that can be shared between parties and have, you know, cryptography, you know, public-private keys, encryption, and networking all built in. Um, and it replaces different parts of the stack. You know, typically you have data silos at these different institutions, and then you have message buses between those data silos, and you have security, you know, kind of layered in. And this technology really combines all those components. So, you know, it's it's an infrastructure layer level component. And we we at AlphaPoint are providing the infrastructure technology, but we're also pro, we're also focused on providing real value from the technology. You know, I think we've been focused on how do we add value with the technology in the next you know one to three years versus some of the initiatives you know, that are trying to boil the ocean that, you know, it's going to take five to ten years to see real, you know, live applications um, with value moved on them. So, yeah, I mean, specifically other use cases, you know, there, there, there are more broad um, use cases in, in master data management and uh, some other uses of the technology that just uses the, the data structure, the, the concepts of, uh, data immutability, provenance, you know, the auditability, and some of those components that, that uh, you know, particularly technology departments, CIOs, CTOs find very compelling 
for you know a wide variety of use cases. And you know we we get involved in a lot of different ones. We we try to provide the technology infrastructure and let others build on top of it. Makes sense. Okay. Um, yeah. Last question. This may be outside your purview. I don't know, but. Do you think that this is going to make insurance, because of the immutability of the ledgers, do you think that this will make the insurance portion of um, the digitization of these assets cheaper, more available, because there's this immutability? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, I think in, I don't know, I don't know if it's five years, ten years, twenty years, um, but I think, I think insurance. Um, like title insurance for a home, right? If you own a home, when you when you purchase a home, you have to you have to typically pay for title insurance, and title insurance, you know, is just insurance that somebody's not going to come back and say, oh, I actually own your home, right? And all that is doing is ensuring that there's not a, you know. Um, an error in the registry, in the central registry system that's being maintained typically by a government entity, right? So, you know, as, you know, assets like mortgages, you know, homes, you know, and others become, um, become placed onto these uh, ledgers and are kind of broadly accepted for this is the ledger we're going to use for all home registrations in the country, right? At that point, and, and there are countries like Estonia has practically gone to this model, right? There are countries that are actually using this technology effectively to already do this, and you really do eliminate the need for some of these just taxes or costs um, that are trying to protect uh, about you know from an issue in the ledger. So once you have the the trust in the ledger, you eliminate some of those costs, and yes, you you reduce you reduce that cost for, for all end users. Yeah, just a quick anecdote. You know, in the world of title insurance, it's expensive, and you actually need it because I've had cases with houses where there was a mortgage that, uh, you know, wasn't disclosed or wasn't found. And it's amazing. You would think that, yeah, supposedly it all goes to a central database and they won't miss anything, but they do. So hopefully with, uh, with distributed ledgers, this won't happen, and it'll be cheaper and faster. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, just you know, and and if it's and if it's public and it's easy to, t I mean, it's just a quick search, right? It's it's uh, yeah. you know, we we sometimes we're so far into kind of the internet age that we sometimes take for granted, you know, how many things are still you know on paper, um, and and uh, you know, there, there's still a lot of opportunity there, and and you know, I truly believe that that you know blockchain technology will have as much of an impact to the transfer of value and and assets and asset movement as as the internet had for the transfer of information and communication so you know i think we're very much on uh the beginning of the wave of of the impact that this really will have uh, globally okay well very good yeah that's all the uh the questions i have for right now um for companies that want to find out more about AlphaPoint and start a dialogue with you and learn about how you can help them, uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. They, yeah, they can they can certainly uh, learn about us on uh, www.alphapoint.com uh, or send us an email at info@alphapoint.com. At
Oh, very good. Uh, Igor Kalatnikov, uh, COO and president of Alpha Chain, I'm sorry, Alpha Point Blockchain Solutions. Thanks for doing the interview. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.